Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Our special guest this morning is Priscilla Navaroli. Navar, I said it right. See, I did better than Janet yesterday, didn't I? <laughs> she did a little blurb and it was Navaroli. I don't know what it was. But <laughs> we all get a little tongue-tied when that camera comes up. Priscilla Navaroli. For the last few years, she has served as uh, the pastoral care pastor at a very large Assembly of God church uh, in Montgomery, Texas, over in the Houston area. But God has called her to the mission field. She actually kind of wears two hats, an evangelist and a missionary. And in just a few moments, as she begins to tell her testimony, you'll understand what we're talking about. But anyway, we're excited to have Priscilla with us this morning. Give her a warm CT Church welcome today. Thank you, Pastor Doug. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. But first, I would really just want to give the Lord Jesus Christ thank you and all glory for the fact that I can stand here before you today. Um, I want to thank Pastor Doug and Pastor Janet for allowing me to be at Calvary Temple. I'm so excited to be here. Um, like you said, my name is Priscilla Navaroli. Most times I just tell people to think of a ravioli and throw an N on there. It just works out perfect that way. <laughs> um, but what, I am going to the mission field, and I'm excited to tell you what the Lord is going to be doing in the Dominican Republic. Um, I am going as an Assemblies of God missionary, and I am out itinerating right now. But like Pastor Doug says, I also am currently the care pastor at Lone Star Cowboy Church. It's the largest cowboy church in the United States. And uh, it is just a very... Uh, I've been there since nine, for nine years. I got saved there. I got saved in 2011. And I have been at that church ever since. So my word to you is get rooted, get rooted, get rooted. Don't go around bouncing churches. That's my first deal. Um, because when you get rooted in some place, God really wants to plant you where you're at. And believe me, you can get offended in some places. I have been. <laughs> but I still stayed. Okay, so that's just my, my, my little word to you about staying in church. Okay? Um, but what will I be doing in the Dominican? Um, I will be working with uh, sexual abused victims. I'll be working with... Um, I'm gonna, we're going to try to get into the sex trafficking over there, and also I'll be working in the universities, and I'll be dealing with the, um, the LBGT is growing over there, and that's lesbian, gay, bisex uh, bisexual, transgender group, okay? Everybody knows what the gay community is, and it's growing at a rapid pace over there. So the statistics for the Dominican Republic is 21% um, of all young girls have been pregnant or are pregnant from the age of 13 and up. 13 of them have a, a child every single day in a local hospital. Now, this is not due to promiscuity. This is due to rape. Rape from a family member or rape from friends of the family. Okay? Also in the Dominican, sex trafficking is now number four in the world. And the LBGT is growing at a rapid pace. And they're starting to, to infiltrate the universities. Now, you're probably asking me, well, wow, those are... Tough subjects. Why would you want to go into those three categories? Well, like Pastor Doug says, um, I have a testimony that includes two of those. Okay, I was not sex trafficked, but I was sexually abused as a child for a very long time. It was repeated. It was every day. 
And no child should have to endure that. But because Satan, you know, likes to destroy children, and he is going to come after your kids. And so my mother had us in church, and we were in the assemblies of God. But my mom also allowed for her sin to infiltrate her household by having her boyfriend live with us and gave Satan a foothold. I loved church at the time. I was in missionettes. I was a, a, a kid growing up in the church, running on the altars and playing in the baptism area and, you know, singing all the Jesus songs that I loved. Okay, but um, because my mom allowed her sin into the house, it, 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 it affected her children. Okay, so this man would abuse me. And then as I got older, my mom became a little legalistic. Well, let's say a lot legalistic, okay? And so everything we did, we were going to hell. There was no grace in our house. It was just very legalistic. And so with being legalistic, you know, I would go to church. I would see everything that's going on. And that my mother was not walking as they were preaching, okay? And, and parents, are, kids see that. And so because of that, I started to pull away from the church. I started to rebel. And I would see kids that were not going to church, and they were doing things that I wanted to do. And so I started drinking and smoking pot and sniffing glue and paint by the time I was 12 years old. I had my first blackout with alcohol at 14. The abuse stopped when I was 12. I matured beyond his age preference. But the damage had already been done. And because of that, I started to, as I drifted away from Jesus, drifted away from the church, the world started to grab a hold of me at such a young age. And then I started hanging out with all the bad kids in school. Next thing I know, I'm a teenage alcoholic at the age of 15. By the time I was in my later teens, I'm doing every drug you can imagine. Acid, LSD, I mean, just all of it. I'm just on a roll. And the further I get in this role, sin now becomes more enticing, right? The Bible speaks about sin and its enticements. And I started having curiosities about girls. Now, we're, our, our minds are very, we can, you can shape a mind at that age. And Satan will put anything in that child's mind to start shaping them. And so my mind started being shaped. And at 15, I had my first female experience. Now, in the back of my thoughts, I said, oh, my gosh, that's a sin. I'm going to hell. I am going to hell. But in order to do it again, I would do it while I was drunk. And then I became promiscuous with, with both sexes. And now my life is spiraling out of control. And my mother had no clue that my life was spiraling out of control. I would come home drunk. I would come home stoned. I would come home, and she had no clue. And then there was a point where she figured it out, and she would drag me to church with hangovers. And she would tell me, if you can go drink all night, you can go to church. There was just very mass confusion in my life. So at 18, she kicked me out of the house when she found out I was living this lesbian lifestyle, and she says, go straight or get out. There was no grace whatsoever. There was no, let's pray, let's talk to Jesus about it, let's go, nothing. It was go straight or get out. 
Well, I got out. And guess where she threw me into? I went straight to the lesbian community. But at that time, I was still unsure about my life, and I wind up getting pregnant, and I had an abortion at 20. I've never had any kids, and so as of today, I killed my only child. And I say killed because I killed my only child. There's no, that was my choice. Abortion is just a nice way to legally say it. Amen? Amen. So, when I got to be an adult, I no longer believed in the church. At 21, I made a decision. I will not live and let no man into my life. And so I lived in a lesbian lifestyle until the age of 45. Now, did my, what did my mom say? Oh, she hated it. But a lot of times I think I, there's a few reasons why I think I stayed that way. One, to spite her. Rebellion. Two, I mean, who, who wants to do what their parents tell them to do, right? And so I lived this lifestyle and I started to believe that I was gay. I started to believe that from the depths of my heart. Because now I'm hanging out with people that are telling me I'm born that way. My mom used to tell me, who you hang around with is what you are, right? Who you hang around with is who you are. I pick my friends very closely today. I choose them very wisely. Amen? Who you hang out with is what you are. So I brought these two ladies with me today. Godly women over here, okay? My sister Janet and my sister Priscilla. I choose my friends wisely. Because I'm not going to let Satan give him one inch of my life. Okay? Now, when I was in my 20s, I decided that God didn't exist anymore. That the Bible was untrue. And that you Christians were hypocrites. <laughs> and I hated you. <laughs> I literally hated Christians. Literally, I was like a Paul. Okay, I hated Christians. And my mom would tell me, you know, you're going to hell. And I said, as long as you Christians aren't going to be there, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it was sad. I look back at it now and I'm like, oh my gosh, how could I even think that way? But that's what Satan does. Once he gets his foothold on you, you will believe anything. And there is people out in this world today, and it is, it is okay to be gay. And no, it ain't. It is not okay. God did not make us that way. Jesus, people can tell you all day long you were born that way. No, I was not. I chose that lifestyle. I chose it, I lived it, and I loved it. See, a lot of people don't want to turn away and say they're born that way, it's because they love their sin. As long as you love your sin, you will keep doing your sin. Amen? So my mom would pray for me and pray for me because she actually got better. <laughs> she actually started letting the Lord work in her and do some Holy Ghost movement in her, and she actually went from carnal Christian to spiritual Christian. 
okay? It took a long time, but she finally got there, okay? But, you know, I'm not the Holy Ghost Junior, and she's not the Holy We don't fix each other. God fix us, right? And so I, 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 she would have her altar, and she had a picture of me on it. <laughs> I would walk into her house, and I would say, you know that doesn't work, right? <laughs> you know he's not listening to you if he exists. <laughs> And she would just say, you're going to hell. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> so it's, you know, it was a back and forth for 30 years. It was like that. And if I could convince you the Bible wasn't true, I'd go, oh, I'd have at it. And tell you there was a copyright date on it, that there was, it was, it was thousands of year old book. I mean, I would just go on. You did not want your kids around me. But yet there was something missing in my life. I always had this empty hole. And I became very materialistic as an adult. Very. I would buy things just to satisfy my soul. Had to have the boat. Had to have the house. Had to have the cars. Had to have the built-in swing pool. Had to have the Cedars. Had to have the Harley. Had to have the, everything just to constantly feed my soul that was craving something I didn't know it needed. I was broken. I was shattered. I was ashamed. I was disgusted with myself. I was full of hate. I was full of jealousy. I was full of envy. I was full of covetedness. I was full of pride. And I wasn't going to let anybody come on my throne because I could take care of this myself. I could feed this hunger of my own. Little did I know that I needed Jesus Christ. Amen? So I lived that life. I was an alcoholic. I had a good job. I had stuff, so, you know, the Satan deceives you, and he thinks that, oh, I got my life together. I look good on the outside, but I'm dead in the end. I'm, you know, walking dead. Walking dead. That's, you know, dead man walking. And that's what people are when they don't have Jesus, dead man walking. Right? So back in, uh, in 2011, it was, I had been in a lot of relationships because I was on the two-year plan. Because <laughs> they wore out too. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? Most of us are adults. I was on the two-year plan, and, and I happened to be with someone at the time. And um, it was Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, and Easter Sunday was made for drinking for me. And so was Christmas and Saturday and Tuesday and, well, any other day. But it was Easter Sunday, and uh, I already had gotten my boat filled the night before full of beer. And uh, the next morning I woke up. I was ready to go. I was going to put my boat out on the lake. And there's wind just came across this, the lake. And, I could, and out in Montgomery, Lake Conroe, you can't take your boat out because it gets too choppy because it's bulk boarded all the way around so the water just splashes really hard. So I couldn't take my boat out that day. And I put my boat back in the away, and I was all disappointed. And my partner at the time, she come from a Christian home. Her, her parents were Christians. Her Brother was a pastor. She went to a Christian college, Baptist in Florida. I don't know. And 
I loved her family except for Christmas when they started singing Christian songs. And they would sing these hymns, and I'd be like, oh, oh. <laughs> I go to their house, they sing these hymns, and the hair on the back of my neck would stand up because why? Because the dark can't be in the light. The dark can't be in the light, and I would just, oh, I don't want to go to their house. Okay, well, apparently she didn't have a problem with it. But anyway, so we that morning decided, or that afternoon decided to, for whatever reason, put on the passion of Christ. And I had seen it before, and it did nothing for me. Just, you know, poor guy. But this particular time, I started watching it. And as I'm sitting there with my movie recliner, I was wishing I had popcorn, but that's how cold I was. You have to understand how hard my heart was. But God can do things with a hard heart. Amen? Don't give up on whoever you're praying for. That's all I want to tell you. Because I'm sitting there as this movie starts, and I am reading the subtitles. Then they take Jesus, and they start to scourge him. And they have the nine cat of nine tails with the hooks as his flesh is coming out. And there's a moment in that movie as they're scourging him where the actor Jim Caviezel looks at the camera ever so gently. I mean, it's just a quick, it's nothing you can pinpoint, but it's just. And at that very moment, those eyes penetrated me. And I heard in the most loving, kind, gentle voice, I did this for you. I did this for you. And he didn't stop. Every hit, every punch, every tear, I did this for you. I felt this something was tearing at my heart. I felt this little, like somebody was hammering, just something was trying to get through. And I had tears starting to run down my face. But I couldn't let my partner see because she knew how I felt about Christianity, church, and God. So I watched the movie this way. Because he didn't stop. As he's dragging his cross, as he's getting nailed, I did this for you. And it was sweet. It was loving. There was no persecution, condemnation, nothing reviling about it. It was the most purest love I'd ever felt in my entire life. And it penetrated that stone-cold Hateful, prideful heart. When the movie was over, I was like, thank God that's over. <laughs> now he'll stop it, whatever. And I had asked Christy, I said, do you hear that? 
And she said, hear what? I said, never mind. <laughs> I hear, you hear nothing, I hear nothing. <laughs> but I went to bed that night. And as I closed my eyes, I saw those eyes. He did this for me. He did this for you. I woke up. I did this for you. I drove to work. I did this for you. By the time I got there, I said, I don't know who you are, but you need to stop. Because I had forgot my teachings long ago as a child. They were somewhere there, but they were buried. And so it's, I started calling it the voice. See, God can speak to sinners. He can speak to you in a club. He can speak to you no matter where you're at, no matter who you're with. He can speak to a sinner. Because if he didn't speak to a sinner, guess what? None of us would be here. Amen? So I go to work. He does this for three days. Three. He likes three days, right? Finally, when he stopped, I was like, whew, I feel better. <laughs> so it was on a, it was that next week. I liked, I was, I, I used to own um, FedEx. I had a FedEx contract and I owned four FedEx trucks and I owned three towns out in Montgomery area. And I, I used to drive one of those trucks myself. I had worked with UPS for 15 years as a manager. I, it's just, that was my background. And so I decided that day that I need to listen to some talk radio. I'm tired of country, tired of rock, tired of all this other stuff. I just need some talk radio. So I wound up on this radio station, and they were talking about money. And I love money. Who doesn't, right? I love money. And so I thought, well, I'm going to sit. Pastor Janet, I told you this. I'm going to sit and listen to this radio station. And I'm going to learn about this stuff that they're talking about. They're talking about stocks and bonds and investing and stuff. And, and during his, his, his commentary, he starts talking about the widow and the widow's might. And, and I'm like, oh, I ain't listen to this. And I switched the channel. Well, the next day, same thing, came across the channel. And once again, they're talking. I thought, oh, maybe that was a fluke. And so they started talking again. And. This time they started talking about parables, 10 talents, five talents, one talent. I'm like, oh, no, mm-mm. Changed it again. The following day I listened to it and I said, well, maybe I can, I'm in and out of the truck. I can skip that Jesus stuff. I want to listen about the money. Okay, see, Lord, the Lord knew how to get to me. <laughs> he knew how to get to me through money. And so, because he knows how to get to you. Don't think he don't know how to get to you. And so he, I, I listened to it, and I kind of, when I came back to the truck, Charles Stanley was on. I said, oh, I ain't listening to you. <laughs> and that voice said, listen, listen. And I, I already know that voice. I already know it. I'm not his sheep, but I know that voice. And I said, <laughs> you know, even, even sinners fight back, Okay. And so I said, oh, okay, I'll give you five minutes. You talk about my lifestyle, I'll never listen again. See, we don't want to listen about our sin. We, we don't want to listen about our sin. And besides, I used to tell my mom, I'm not sinning. You're sinning. I have character defects. See, we don't like to talk about our sin. 
We like to put our sin and put it under the carpet and pretend that it's all a-okay. Christians do it real well. Sinners just flaunt it. <laughs> okay? So I said, okay, I'll give you five minutes. And I kind of liked it. It was very soothing. It was that, that same loving thing I felt when I was watching The Passion. And so the next day, I, I, I listened to it again. And within a week, I had listened to the whole 30 minutes of Charles Stanley while I was delivering packages. Because he was pulling me in. The hounds of heaven were after me. They were after me. And so I decided to listen. I listened to the whole thing. So this is now a week and a half after Easter. And Charles Stanley says, is there anybody that wants to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior? And I'm like, mm, I know what this is. <laughs> and that voice said, pull over. Pull over. Mm, I don't think I can pull over. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the shame I live with. Pull over. So I pulled over. And I said the sinner's prayer. And I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior in a FedEx truck. I don't think anybody I have ever heard anybody do that. <laughs> but I bawled. I bawled. I cried. And I cried. And I repented of my sins. And I saw every sin I'd ever created just. And I knew at that moment I was a sinner who had been saved by grace. And I said in that very moment, Lord Jesus, what you did for me. See, he had said that, what I did for you, what I did for you. And I verbally said this, and I just talked. And I said, what you did for me, I will give up my lifestyle for you. And that was the first cross I thought I'd carry. Because God calls us to bury a cross. He calls us to carry our cross. Does he not? I don't know what your cross is. But I picked up my first cross that day, and I said, I'll carry this one. And I went home and didn't say nothing. <laughs> I, how do I say it? How do I tell her? What do I do? So I didn't say anything for a few months, for a couple of months. And so I didn't ask him to take the drink because that it was May. By this time, it's May. It was her 40th birthday party, and I had already thrown her. I was throwing her a surprise birthday party, and I had every gay person in Montgomery there, and I floated a keg with some friends, and I thought that prayer that I said in the FedEx van was gone because I didn't know about grace. But I wouldn't get near her because I thought I was going to get struck by lightning. <laughs> That's how I believe, seriously, because, you know, I had no teachings. And so one morning in June, it was June 1st, June 6th, somewhere around there, my, uh, I was woken up because I said, I'd, because once I said that prayer, and I saw that I was a sinner, and everything flashed before my eyes, I knew that God had a different life for me now. But I started in that van, I started 12 hours a day, because I'd leave, work, I'd leave for work at, at 
36 o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't get home till 7 at night. And for 12 hours a day, I listened to sermon after sermon after sermon from Tony Evans, Jensen Frigg, and I mean, it was on and on and on and on, and my spirit man was growing, and nobody knew I was saved, and I was a closet Christian because I wasn't going to call my mother and tell her her prayers had worked. <laughs> I said, no, she will be the last to know. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 not her. <laughs> so, uh, so I finally, the, the, that voice woke me up in the middle of the night, one night at six o'clock in the morning. It was early on a Saturday. It wasn't the night, it was the morning. And, and, it, and he said, get up. Because I would have been asking him, how do I tell her? How do I tell her? Get up, write her a letter. It was too early in the morning. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Has God ever woke you up in the middle of the night and said, get up and do something? And you're like, don't wake me up. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. You want me to get up and pray right now? Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> so anyways, he says, get up and write her a letter. So I did. I got up, wrote her a letter, left it on the kitchen table. She got up that morning and read it, slid the letter and said, I can't compete with that. You need to go to church. She, that's what she told me. You need to go to church. <laughs> I didn't have to say, get behind me, Satan. It was, you need to go to church. And I said, church? I can't be around them people. <laughs> and she says, you just got saved. You need to go to church. I thought about it. I said, where do I go? I have tattoos up and down my legs. I have, you know, I have a big old L on my forehead. Where do I go? And I delivered to Lone Star Cowboy Church every single day. Every single day. And I would set my walk in and I would set the packages down right behind the reception area. There was offices all the way down the hall. And I'm going to tell you how good God is. And I'm going to tell you what a sense of humor God has. Because to, for five years, as a care pastor... The office that is my office is where I used to set my packages for three years. He didn't tell me, oh, by the way, that office is going to be yours one day. I got used to it just by putting the packages down there every day. You know, talk about going from the pit to the palace. Amen? You don't know what God has for you when you get saved. So I went to church that Sunday. Christy went with me. And Lone Star Cowboy Church is, holds 600. And I sit in the very back row. Back, 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 back. Last row. And the pastor says, does anybody want to receive Jesus as their Savior? And I, you know, I thought that, you know, since I had drank that keg of beer that I needed to get saved again. <laughs> So I raised my hand and put a Bible in my hand, and then they wanted me to walk up. I was like, mm, <laughs> that's a long way up there. But I walked up there, and I didn't want to walk across Christie's and brush her knees because I didn't want her to see me go up. And I never heard this scripture before, but he said, shame me, and I will shame you in front of my father. I went, yeah, I'm going. <laughs> and I walked that aisle, and I bawled, and I bawled. And I bawled. 
And I think every, for about a year, every time I went to church, I bawled every Sunday. And I cried. Because the Lord was restoring me. And he was cleansing me. And he was doing something in me that I could never do for myself. Within three months, I found myself in a sexual abuse Bible study there at the church. And I got healing from that. Then I went to a post-abortion Bible study, and I got healing for that. A year later, I find myself ministering to the women at the prisons. Then I found myself leading a Bible study in the prisons, the sexual abuse. Then I found myself a volunteer chaplain. Then I found myself taking classes at the, the university, the Global University of the Berean Bible School, and I'm now on my way to being... Uh, a reverend of some sort. I didn't know why I was doing this. I was like, why, why am I in these classes? What, am I, what are you going to do with me? And then I got married. I got married in 2014. And my husband passed away on April 2018. So I got to experience marriage for three years. And as I stood next to him, I said, Lord, I don't know what plans you have for me. His death went right through your hands, and you don't owe me an explanation. But what plans do you have for me now? So see, there will be pain in our lives as Christians. We will go through the valley. We'll be on the mountaintop, and then we'll go back through the valley. And I think this year we're all in the valley <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> So I, I, I started going to Bible school, and then I became the care director at Lone Star Cowboy Church in 2015, and then I became the care pastor in 2017, and my husband, uh, March 1st, and then my husband passed away on April, two, a month later. So I did my first year as a pastor grieving for my husband. But the Lord doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste our pain. He doesn't waste our past life. He doesn't waste anything that we've gone through. Because somebody needs to hear this story. Whether in this church, whether in another church, whether, and I know a lot of people need to hear it in the Dominican. And the Lord says, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. We go forth. Now, I'm not ashamed of my past. Pastor Janet was saying. <laughs> we were at a minister's exchange this week, and she says, she says, I'm going around telling all the pastors about you, that you were a lesbian. Is that okay? <laughs> she goes, well, you got a great testimony. And I said, sure, I don't care. I said, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of my past. I wouldn't want to relive it. I'm going to tell you that. I wouldn't want to relive it. But God's not going to waste it. Amen? He's not going to waste any bit of it. He's going to restore what the canker worms and the locusts stole from me. Amen? He's going to, 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 to do something. He has a purpose for each and every one of us. He says, I knew you before you were born. 
He wove you in your mother's womb. And when he did that, he had that plan already for you. And, and, and Satan diverts us from that plan. He entices us with sin. He tempts us with sin. When we repent, we say, I am not going to do this. I'm going to make an about face. I'm walking this way. I'm going to turn around and walk this way. And I'm going to walk away from sin, and I'm going to leave my sin behind. Is it tough? Yeah. It took me two years. Two years of therapy with our church counselor to change this brain. 30 years as a lesbian is a long time. You think that I was straight the next day? Oh, no. It, it takes counseling. It takes, it takes wanting to change. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to. I can't do this. No, you don't want to. You don't want to change. Choose to change, and God will walk with you. One of my biggest prayers when I got saved was, Lord, melt me of who I am, because I am sick of being me. <laughs> I am sad. Anybody being sick of being them? I mean, like, I am sick of being me. Melt me of who I am. Mold me in who you want me to be. Use me. The, fill me with what you want me to have, and use me in a way you want to use me. Those are big prayers. But he will do exactly that. He will melt you, mold you, fill you, use you. But you got to want to. You say, pick me, Lord. Here I am. And he's going to say, oh, I see somebody down there who wants to be used by me. Come on. Let's go on this journey. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have some desert. You're going to have some wilderness. You're going to be in the fire for a little bit longer. Some longer than others. I know I was there for a while. Because when the master wants to purify gold, what does he do? He sticks the gold in the furnace, and he, he does this, and he does that. And when he pulls the gold out, if he sees any imperfection, he goes, mm, nope, you go back in, right? Until it comes out, and he sees, he sees what he wants to see himself. Amen? And that's what we need to do. We need to be constantly being put in the fire, in the furnace, and constantly saying, no, I'm not going back there. Satan, you can't have me. I am not yours. I belong to Jesus, the Most High, and I am not, will not. You don't own me anymore. So to finish this off, I, had a, I have a cat. And last week I went to Galveston. And I have three cats. And three dogs. But I have three cats. And Bubba, everybody has to have a Bubba. You live in Texas, you got to have a Bubba. And, and, and Bubba got, I have a weld. I live out in the country. I live on the corner of 162 acres of nothing but country. And so I have a welded wire, six-foot fence going around the perimeter of a certain section of my house so that the cats can go outside through the doggy door, but, you know, they won't get eaten by coyotes and they'll stay in their perimeter. Well, my friend, not this friend, another friend, the one who's there now, was babysitting my cats and my animals. And Bubba got out somehow. Bubba got out. She calls me up at 7 o'clock in the morning. She's frantic. Bubba got out of the house. Now, Mama goes into panic mode because I know the coyotes are out. He's been out all night. Like he slept outside of his home. He never slept outside the house in 10 years. He slept outside. 
He's out of the perimeter. He is away from his protection. She tries to catch him. I sent Marie down there in the morning. Marie, you go try to catch this cat, and I can't get back to Galveston. I didn't bring my own truck. I'm with somebody else, and, you know, we, all my friends, we start praying for Bubba. I pull into the driveway about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Didn't even get my purse out, go to the front door, just rolled in the house. And she said that Bubba was in, I have this old, I guess it used to be back in the 40s or 50s. It's an old shed, wooded. Looks really cool. It's really Texas antique, broken down shed. <laughs> there's just junk in there. It belongs to the landlady, I guess. I don't know. It's rusty. It's, there's just junk in there old spinning washing machine, you know, and I see Bubba, and I'm like, come on, buddy, come on, come to me, and he curls back, I'm like, no, come on, come on, come on, come on, and as I reach for him, he runs out, and then he comes out, but he goes back in, and now he's hidden in the back, and I'm like, I'm not going to hurt you, I'm just here to save you. And at that moment, I start, ask Marie, right, Marie? I start pulling. I mean, I don't care what he does. I'm just pulling everything out of this. I mean, I'm like, I'm saving you whether you want to be saved or not. And I grabbed him, and I held him, and I took him inside, and I loved on him. You know what? Jesus wants to do that for us. But a lot of times, we want to run from him. We think that life isn't going to be that good once we get saved. But he wants to bring us in his arms and protect us and comfort us and heal us, nurture us, and say, everything is going to be okay because I love you. I got you. Give him your all. Surrender everything to him. And he is going to change your life. He'll deliver you. He'll restore you. The shame, the pride, the, everything will be gone. We'll have to fight temptation, of course. Now, I don't have those kinds of desires or temptations anymore because the Lord took them out of me. Praise God. <laughs> he just delivered me. I haven't had a drink, a drink in nine and a half years. From the day I got saved, I said, Lord, take the drink. He said, okay. He took the drink. Okay. He will do some miraculous things for you. And for those who have family members that are dealing with this, pray, 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 pray. Amen? Love them. Don't kick them out of the house. Just love them. Don't accept their sin. But have grace. Have grace. When there's no grace, you push them. You don't accept the sin. Treat it as if it was somebody else who had a different sin, like pornography or adultery or fornication or something like that. Because sin is sin, right? It's all the same sin. Adultery, fornication, pornography, fornicating. My boyfriend lives with my girlfriend. My, or, you know what I'm saying? All same sin. It's no different. It's sex outside of a marriage, what God calls wholesome. Amen? All right, so with that, I'm going to invite, oh, real quick, 
I can't do this alone. I cannot. I need your help. One, this is prayer warrior stuff. If you're a prayer warrior, I need you to come alongside me, please, if you would, and join a prayer team with me and, and, and kick Satan in the butt. Amen? Number t- and then I, I, I need you, if you go to my website, he said dash go.com. See, he said go, and I said okay. <laughs> I didn't say okay the first time. I said okay the second time. <laughs> okay? But he said dash go.com. And then thirdly, I'm going to be out in the foyer. I would love to talk to you. Um, rub an elbow, tip a toe. I don't know what y'all do here. Um, but love to talk to you. And I thank you so much for just letting me be here and allowing God to let me share with you what, what he's done for me and what he can do for each and every person in this room. Pastor. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.